Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. I hope all of the listeners out there are doing as fantastic as I am. It's always good to introduce a new group of people into our world, into this orbit, and have the listeners hear what they're all about. And that's exactly what we have on the show today, a group of people who are going to be incredibly helpful and productive as we try to tell these stories of these missing individuals. But Tim, tell me your story. How are you today? I am doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. And yeah, it was wonderful to meet Shayna and Tate's and to speak with them in this conversation. They are fierce advocates and they have an organization called Light the Way. And you can find out more about what they do at lightthewaymissing.com. We actually met Shayna in person in New Hampshire um, maybe a month or so ago at the New Hampshire Unsolved Coalition march that uh, that was organized by uh, by that coalition. And Julie Murray and Jane Borowski were there. And that was really great to meet her in person. And to finally connect for a recorded conversation is great. And we're hoping to introduce this advocate group to our audience. Of course, we have a lot of family members of missing people who listen. This is an advocate group that is available to you as a potential resource. Just connect with them at lightthewaymissing.com. And they have a number of featured missing person stories on their site. You can go to their featured cases and see all of those stories. And we focus on a couple in this episode, one of them being the incredibly tragic story of Oakley Carlson, who is six years old from Oakville, Washington. She was last seen in February of 2021. And the details of Oakley's story are just truly heartbreaking. Indeed. And most of the following conversation with Shayna Ann Tates is about Oakley Carlson's disappearance. But we also get into Patricia Otto's disappearance briefly as well uh, near the end of this conversation. And Patricia Otto went missing from Lewiston, Idaho on August 31st, 1976. And if her case sounds familiar, it is because we covered Patricia Otto's case a little, a little while ago, I guess that would be over a year ago now. It's episode 293 in the Missing Feed, where we spoke with Patricia's daughter, Suzanne, and Mel Jeterberg and Jason Futch about the Finley Creek Jane Doe, because that is another part of the mystery of Patricia Lee Otto's disappearance is the possibility that Patricia was actually found and is the Finley Creek Jane Doe. So that's part of this mystery that we'll uh, we speak about here with uh, Tates and Shana as well. And this organization, Tates and Shana, light the way. They do a really great job staying in touch with all of the family members of these missing persons the best they can. And they've since provided a lot of introductions to us with family members, advocates, and law enforcement. So this is the start of many collaborations. So go to lightthewaymissing.com and you can follow them. You'll see their social media links down at the bottom of each page. Make sure to follow them and support what they do. All right, we're going to break quick for commercial here and we'll be right back with Shana and Tate's. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for joining us. And uh, this relationship went from like zero to to a hundred in like in like two weeks, which is awesome because you've always been on our radar. We finally got to meet you in New Hampshire, which we should talk about uh, how that came together in New Hampshire. Uh, I'm really tempted to do the audio drop of applause, but I don't want to I don't want to glitch up the system here because we're I feel like we're, we're on a, a tedious uh, internet right now. So just know that there was an audio drop in place that was a major applause for the two of you because uh, the work you do is tremendous. Thank you. Oh gosh, thank you so much. And that's the last time you'll get a compliment. Just So tell us what it is that you do. So Light the Way Missing Persons Advocacy Group is a very small team. Um, Tates and I are the founders, and then we work with a small handful of volunteers. Um, And what we do is we advocate and investigate um, cases of missing individuals for their loved ones. Um, And we recently took on um, our first cold case for um, um, missing a woman who was missing and then was found to be murdered about 40 years ago. So we really base um, our interests on advocacy and locating missing individuals. That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Tate's warned us that she was going to be very talkative and <laughs> wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to shut Tate's up. So We're usually the ones behind the scenes, not in front of uh, the cameras or the microphones. We usually send our families to do this. So this is new terrain for us to be the ones in front of the mics. Gotcha. Okay. Well, how did you two and the entire group come together? So in 2021, Tates and I met through the missing community and we were just really interested in helping to find missing people. So we were spreading posters, trying to get news attention. And a lot of this was just really done virtually. And then we were helping to locate runaway teens. Um, we found that we were pretty good at this. Um, we had some pretty good skills on being able to, to do this and to locate these teens. Um, and then in December of 21, things um, really changed for us when we heard um, Jamie Jo Hiles, who is the foster mother of Oakley Carlson from Oakville, Washington, um, speak. And we heard her tell the story of Oakley, who was then just recently found to be missing. Um, and we heard that 
She was tragically taken from their care and returned to her bio parents, who are Jordan Bowers and Andrew Carlson. Um, and it really was an injustice of the Washington State Department of Children, Youth, and Families. And then this little girl was missing. And we found out that while she was in the care of her bio parents, that she was tragically abused, um, locked in a cell, starved, beaten. And then she was missing, and she wasn't found to be missing until 10 months after she had last been seen. And the alarm bells were ringing. The police, the FBI, the Washington State Patrol, the sheriff's office, they were um, desperately searching for her. So we connected with Jamie Joe, and um, we were all hands on deck. Tates and I decided not only are we going to help look for this little girl the best we could not being in Washington, Tates and I are from different parts of the country. We were also going to create an advocacy group that could um, bring as much attention to her case as possible. Because not only was this little girl missing, she was also tragically failed by a system that was supposed to be protecting her. So Light the Way was born. And Oakley is truly the heart at of everything we do. The first, gosh, four or five months um, that Light the Way started, we spent every waking moment, seven days a week working on Oakley's case. Information was coming in so rapidly. News reporters were looking for information. They wanted to talk to the Hiles. We were helping to make sure that happened. And then people wanted to talk and the community that um, the, the bio parents were a part of, they were um, drug addicts. They were people who had criminal records. They weren't necessarily people who wanted to go to the police at first. So they were, they were coming to us at first. So we would be connecting them with investigators. So that kind of started our relationship with law enforcement. And from there, our relationship with law enforcement has grown into something that has been um, really a great opportunity and a, a wonderful experience because we've been able to help them on a case that means so much to us. And we've been able to learn about um, missing children and how those investigations are run. And we've been able to do advocacy for them. And um, law enforcement has explained to us that they don't necessarily have time to work on advocacy. Um, getting billboards, putting out flyers, doing that type of canvassing work, making sure that podcasts and um, media is is constantly going out there on these missing cases. They they don't have the time to make sure that that happens, but we we do. So our relationship with law enforcement has been um, a really wonderful thing. We work with um, Chief Paul Logan, who is the lead investigator on Oakley's case. He is wonderful. He is determined to um, locate Oakley and bring justice for whatever has happened to her. And we truly believe that he will do that. So we've been able to have a great relationship and make sure that the Hiles family continues to have a relationship with law enforcement. And I think that that is something that Tates and I feel is very important and something that like the way we continue um, to focus on to be kind of the middleman between law enforcement and families because that's such an important thing in these in these missing cases is that law enforcement and families continue to talk to each other and families know that law enforcement is working and law enforcement continues to to update those families and sometimes law enforcement just kind of needs a reminder like hey did you check in and let them know 
A, B, or C. It's not that they don't want to, but I think sometimes they just kind of forget because it's, you know, their everyday life that they're continuing these cases. And we've also had the opportunity with Oakley's case to be able to help the family start a reward fund, um, do fundraisers for that reward fund. There's been almost $100,000 raised for information leading to Oakley's whereabouts. We got to help with a fundraiser that raised almost $50,000 in one evening. It was an auction. It was one of the coolest things to be a part of in one night to watch a community come together and do that. Really, we've been able to be part of every part of a missing child investigation. Um, So Oakley really is a really important case to us. And we'll be there until she's brought home. She's really just taken our hearts from the beginning. She's so sweet, beautiful. And Jamie Jo, um, she's just been so wonderful to work with. She's over the time that we've been working with her has become what I'd consider a really good friend, close friend as well. Just good person. And the biological parents are most likely the responsible parties here or are definitely the responsible parties? So they are considered by the law enforcement, they are considered suspects in her disappearance, but they refuse to cooperate with the investigation. So Oakley was in their care when she disappeared. Oakley was last seen by someone who was associated with the family on February 10th of 2021. And then she was not reported missing until December 6th of 2021. And that's when a um, law enforcement officer went to a hotel to do a welfare check because there had been a fire at their home. A principal at the school where her sister had been had been delivering donations to the family and she hadn't seen Oakley and she kept asking, where's Oakley? Where's Oakley? And Jordan, the biological mother had said, she's naughty. She's in her room. She's in a timeout. She'd been giving excuses. And there was something wrong with that. The principal thought, Ooh, that's not right. And by chance, the principal had a daughter in the sister's class. So she invited the daughter over to have the sister over to have a sleepover with her daughter. And while they were having a sleepover, Oakley's sister said, Oakley's been eaten by wolves. And then she said, Oakley is no more. So the principal, who is an amazing woman, her name is Jessica Swift, tr- like an amazing educator. She, her, she did exactly what she was supposed to do in a situation. Her guards went up. She immediately was like, all right, let's go into action. She called her school resource officer, reported the information. Because they were staying in a hotel that was in a different district from where the school was, they sent over a um, law enforcement officer, who was the Tumwater police, to the hotel where they were staying in because their their house had a fire in it. I should add that the fire in the house, they never called emergency services for Um, They had a fire in a house and they put it out themselves. Um, We have some pictures of the fire on our website. It's very sketchy looking. You can look at the couch he called. He said his four-year-old, who would have been Oakley at the time, um, started the fire. The father called and said this, um, Andrew. When he called, they said, but nobody needs to come out to the house. So 
like alarm bells. Why wouldn't anybody have immediately called CPS and said like, get out there, go check out this family. There lived, there's a house with like a fire and he's saying his four-year-old started, but they don't want emergency services, but it wasn't done. So the, the principal calls, they get the police go out there. Jordan answers the door. The police officer says, we're here to check on Oakley. And Jordan, the biological mother says she's with her mother. She's the mother. And he was like, well, are you her mother? And Jordan, you know, she's kind of like, well, she's with her mother. And he can hear someone else in the background kind of fumbling around. So she calls to Andrew and Andrew comes over and he says, where's your daughter Oakley? We're looking for Oakley. And he says, she's at my parents' house. He's where your parents live. What's the address? He says, I don't know. He lived with his parents his entire life, like until he was 18. And the parents literally lived down the road from the house they were living at. So it was like they were lying through their teeth. Something was up. This whole charade continues. The grandparents are eventually called. The police officer talks to the grandparents. The grandparents say, now this is December of 2021. And it also happens to be Oakley's sixth, I'm sorry, fifth birthday. So it like even more sadness on the day. Uh, the grandfather says, we haven't seen her since December 2020. So that's oh, it's Christmas, Christmas, December 2020. So it's almost a full year since the grandparents have seen her. So the police go back in. They let them go. While this is happening, we know that there also had only been, the, the police check, there only had been one car seat in their car. So there wasn't a car seat for Oakley. The parents on their way back to the house where the fire was at, it's in another town, on the way there, they call into that police department who had been at the hotel. And now they report her missing. And they say she's been gone since November 30th. So now they're saying like it's been a week that she's been missing. And they basically just say, we don't know where she is. She just walked off like she's gone. And they get back to the house and at the house, they are now Gray's Harbor Sheriff's Office, who is the department who is now in charge of the investigation, goes there and they are um, arrested for um, manslaughter. They were originally arrested on manslaughter charges. And eventually those charges did not stick. And when they were being held on manslaughter charges... They found out that they were not giving Oakley's older sister as disabled. And they found out that during that time, they were not giving her her medication for a lengthy period of time. And they actually had done that before. And so they were charged with um, neglect charges. And that's what they ended up turning the charges into. They dropped the manslaughter, charged them without. And then they found out later on that Oakley's sister and Oakley's younger brother Um, had massive amounts of methamphetamines in their system. So they added those charges on to them. And that's what both Andrew and Jordan ended up getting convicted of. They took plea deals and they were convicted of child endangerment for Oakley's um, sister and brother. And then, I mean, massive amounts of meth in their system. Was it when they were born or just when they, as their kids... It was so high that they think that they ingested it while in the house. I mean, they're truly, truly monsters, both Andrew and Jordan. Yeah, that is awful. I mean, there's there's lots of ideas, right? Like what could have happened to Oakley, but we don't know what has happened yet. But both Jordan and Andrew refuse 
to cooperate with the investigation and say what has happened to her. They were never married. They both have kind of gone their separate way. Andrew is a free man. As of now, he's been released and is a free man. He lives in Wenatchee, Washington now. And we tell everybody we can about that. And Jordan, Jordan is back in prison. Because while this all came out and Jordan was serving her time on um, the, the child endangerment charges, it was found out that Jordan had some identity theft things going on. She was stealing people's money, their all sorts of money scams. And they found this out while they were searching for Oakley and while they were looking into these child endangerment charges. So she actually was set to go to trial this summer. I flew out there to be there. I was I was ready to be in court, see it all go down, finally get to be eye to eye with her. And as I flew out the day I'm driving there, she took a plea deal. So she was just transferred to prison on three counts of identity in the first degree, one count of identity in the second degree. So she's doing 43 months um, for identity theft charges. Um, So she is, she is a master manipulator. She is a felon over and over again. And who has custody of, of uh, Oakley's siblings now? Um, So they are um, both in foster care. There are, there is a brother who was um, has a different father. He is with his father, who um, he seems to be really happy and thriving. And then there are the brother and sister, who are both Andrew and Jordan's um, children. They're both in foster care and also thriving, happy not to be with the monsters. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Can you elaborate a little bit on the foster care system and how that 
helped Oakley and ultimately how it kind of failed her? Yeah. So we have learned a lot about foster care. Both Tate's and I didn't have really any experience with foster care. I was a teacher in my past life. So that was probably my experience with foster care, just children that came into my classroom. And I'm not from Washington. Tate's is not from Washington. But we have stepped into this role as we are now... um, foster care advocates in the state of Washington. And we have met families and representatives from Washington. And it is now uh, a kind of a powerful piece of Light the Way. We have a a campaign called My Reason that we um, focus on just kids who have been failed by the um, Washington State Department of Children, Youth, and Family. When Oakley was seven months old, she was removed from Jordan and Andrew's care um, due to drug use and domestic violence. And she was put with the Hiles shortly after she was removed. And she spent almost three years with them and she thrived. The videos, the pictures, everything that we have of Oakley is from them. And she lived the happiest little life. Um, Unfortunately, during that time, Jamie, Joe and Eric were incredible parents. They are incredible parents, but they were being failed by the foster care system even while they had Oakley. They would advocate for Oakley. They would be concerned about what were ha- what was happening on visits, and the foster care system didn't want to hear it. Oakley would be come back with um, a tummy ache from visits, and Jamie Joe would be concerned about that, and the foster care would just write that off. And then things got a little worse. Jamie uh, Jamie Joe had Oakley come back and she came back with large scratches on her face. And we have pictures of this on our website. And the scratches look like either scratch marks from a hand or or some sort of like instrument. And when Jamie Joe brought this to a social kit the social worker and the visit supervisor, because it was a supervised visit, nobody could tell them how a, I believe Oakley was like two or almost two at the time. Nobody could tell anyone, Jamie Joe, how that happened. So we, here we have a child who's at a supervised visit. They're paying somebody to watch this child and interact with these parents who are, in, who are deemed unfit at the time. And nobody could tell how she had injuries on her face. And Jamie Joe, as the foster parent who has to live up to all these standards to be able to have Oakley in her house, she's like, okay, there's something wrong here. And no one wants to hear it. She has the emails to document it. She has the pictures to prove it. And she's just ignored over and over and over again. Oakley comes back from a um, visit with both Andrew and Jordan. Andrew was booked for domestic violence. He had charges brought up against him. He was, this is while Oakley was in foster care. He was court ordered mandated to go to domestic violence um, treatment. And we know from the documents we've been able to find that he never completed that treatment during while Oakley was in foster care, but they still returned Oakley back to him. And then Jamie Joe has a video of Oakley coming home and saying Andrew and Jordan got into a physical altercation. She said she brings this information to the social worker and the social worker in Washington's response is, but her mommy and daddy love her. And that was okay to send that child 
back there. And these are like documented time and time again. We have a full, we have a full timeline of these instances and no one cared. So what do you do with that information? I mean, after the fact, there's nothing you can do to go back in time and change things, but how do you try to elicit some sort of repercussion on whoever's failing in their job? Right. So the first thing we did was we went to an ombuds office. So Washington state has an ombuds office like most states do. Um, And the ombuds are supposed to be an independent office that looks into these types of cases. They have them for police officers. They have them for a lot of state agencies and they have them in every state. So Jamie Jo filed an official ombuds investigation and a man named Patrick Dowd is the um, ombuds head. And he was very deceitful. He called Jamie Joe and he said things like, you can tell me everything, but I can't tell you anything. Uh, you can share your information, but I can't share anything with you. He never told her he was investigating. He just like said all these kind of shifty two face kind of things. And at that point, none of us felt like we could trust anybody at DCYF because of all the things that happened. So she would give kind of like part of the story, but she was like, "Mm, I don't know if I should tell you everything or give you all of my documents because what are you doing with this? And when she would ask him questions, he wouldn't answer them. So in the meantime, we as Light the Way were like, okay, what are we going to do as advocates? Let's start a campaign where we we encourage all of Oakley's supporters, and we call Oakley supporters Oakley's angels, to write to Governor Inslee of Washington every single Thursday, call and write, and to ask for an investigation of Oakley's DCYF case. And we started this on... I think it was, I believe it was February 10th, 2022. So it was a year after the last sighting of Oakley. And we we email and call every single Thursday. And we have kept that up. And if he doesn't know us by now, he's never going to know us <laughs> because we just keep that up with, up with that. We also now have added on the secretary of DCYF, Ross Hunter. And we email and call them both or whatever we can do. And we encourage people to do that. And we reach out through Facebook and in and um, Twitter, and we tell people, help us, help us, help us. And people have been wonderful about that. And we have sample letters so that people can just copy paste. And here you go, please join us. While we were doing that, we started the ombuds investigation. So while we were doing that, we also, Jamie Joe did an, an interview And we found it. And a woman from his office, Inslee's office, she gave a statement that said they had never heard from us. She had never heard from Jamie Joe. She had never heard from us. Inslee's office had never heard. And we had been emailing and calling at that point for like three or four months. We were like, oh, lady, that can't be possible. We have been calling and emailing. So we found this lady's email address and we sent her direct emails for a couple of weeks. Well, that finally paid off and she sent Light the Way an email and it was an email that Inslee had sent to Ross Hunter requesting the ombuds office to do an investigation of Oakley, of Oakley's case. So we were like, great, things are in motion. The next day after that happened, Patrick Dowd calls Jamie Joe again. He doesn't say anything about this. So we're kind of like, hmm, this is a little strange. 
Patrick Dowd kind of goes along with his thing, doesn't say much. We just think he's like a little shifty. Finally, we were, we waited about nine months. No investigation report comes out. We thought, all right, we're going to the media with this because we feel like they're really dragging their feet. We have a wonderful media contact in Washington. His name is David Rose. He has this great show called The Spotlight where he spotlights investigations out in Washington. He did a wonderful job on Oakley's case. He sat down with Ross Hunter and grilled him about Oakley's DCYF investigation. And he made Ross Hunter very uncomfortable about what happened to Oakley and her case. So we brought it right to David Rose. David Rose, within an hour, had it out on the news. Within 15 minutes, there was a review out by the Ombuds office. And Governor Inslee was on the news reporting. He would not say Oakley's name because he never acknowledges Oakley. He will just say, I have uh, something to share with you about a case that you've all been invested, but he will never say Oakley's name. And he basically said, there have been no wrongdoings. And we were all shocked because we have a list of wrongdoings that we can tie two laws that we have found in the Washington code, they call RCWs out there, that have that have violated them. So we then started to release all of the details of the case that we have investigated. So we know that in January of 2021, there was a visit from the Washington state social workers after a call was made by Jamie Joe to say Oakley had bruises on her face. We know that the social workers went out there. They saw Oakley. We know then that the next time someone saw Oakley was on February 10th. We know that that was by someone not associated with the family, but we know that that was not DCYF. We know then that in March, DCYF closed the case. So that means DCYF closed the case without ever seeing Oakley. So if that is not a violation of some sort of wrongdoing. I mean, you can't say that you weren't involved in that missing, that child disappearing, and there's no wrongdoing there. I mean, what what more do you want to say? I mean, like you closed a case without actually seeing a child, but there's still being questions about what was going on. Jamie Jo actually received a call in March on the day that they closed the case saying, have you seen her? They didn't even know what Oakley looked like at that time when they closed that case or if she was doing well. It's crazy. There's so much there. This year in the legislative session, they tried to start um, a bill called the Oakley Carlson Act. It would have changed the law so that um, social workers would have to follow up for five years with parents um, who had children that were extremely vulnerable, children who had been abused, had drug use um, as part of the reason why that they were originally taken away. Unfortunately, um, we were we did get to the point where we got to testify on behalf of the bill. Jamie Joe did amazing. We were extremely um, grateful that we got to testify as well, um, but it didn't make it to vote. Um, we do hope that um, in the next session that there will be um, an amended version of the bill and maybe with a little bit of change that there will be another hope for an Oakley Carlson Act because Oakley, we've learned, is just not the only child in Washington that this is happening to. She's one of many. And um, sadly, there's something needs to change in that state before this, this becomes a complete crisis. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, Washington, how about you set an example for the rest of the country that have just as screwed up uh, institutions that fail children? Why didn't this make it to vote? So we are completely bipartisan. We we don't we don't you know we are not making light the way a political thing at all. But unfortunately, it apparently is a political thing, and we have one side that is like putting money at. Um, drug rehab is going to fix this problem. But one of the problems with Oakley's parents, biological parents, I should say, is that um, they refused services. So if you're going to put money at drug rehab, that's wonderful. But what do you do when people refuse services? I mean, Oakley's parents, when they lost Oakley and her siblings before, they got clean. But guess what happened when DCYF walked out? They got right back on meth and other drugs. Like, like what, do, what do you do? Like, you have these people who are chronically on drugs and their children are the ones who are the victims. And in this one, Oakley's story is a tragedy. And, and we're still trying to find out what happened to her. But the bill that, was, that you wanted to get passed was to require the foster care people to check in up to five years or check in to yep. five years what didn't what does that have to do with drug use mm-hmm. yeah well i'm like I'm, I'm getting like angry here like why yes why isn't that just an obvious thing to do the people in these positions are such hypocrites they'll they'll be the first people out there to talk about kids being the future and all of this but they bury it it's all talk I mean, when it comes down to like politics, they weigh more into like what they're what they're making in their pockets than they do the actual uh, purpose of what they're 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 campaigning on. Like they, mm-hmm. it's all hypocritical. It is, and it's what's really sad is that you know it's the politics, but it just blows my mind that people can sit there and you know, and it's like a popularity contest when there's children suffering, you know, a lot of children, like Shana said before, I mean, Oakley's one of many children and we have spoken with several family and this is just families who've reached out to us saying, Hey, we're in the same position. I'm scared, you know, that we're going to lose our foster children back to these people that were, you know, a lot like Oakley's parents and nothing's being done. The woman who is the head of the committee, her name's Representative Tana Sen, she, um, her whole campaign is on affordable child care. Like she runs everything on affordable child care. And she is, you know, big on like, you know, women and, and it's like, I support all those wonderful things, but like, come on, this is, this is children we're talking, and we're talking about vulnerable children like that. This shouldn't be an issue for anyone. We are talking about babies who cannot protect themselves. They did not choose to be born into these situations. The entire world should care about kids like Oakley, like Harmony Montgomery. Like we're talking about kids who are so defenseless to us. Like Oakley is our, Oakley is our everyday. So we, so emotions with Oakley for us are come, you know, in between. But sometimes when I sit and when Tate sits and we think about what happened to Oakley, those emotions are really, really, really strong because that baby was so tragically failed. And the stuff that happened to her was horrific. And if these people who sit in these positions of power can't think for one second about just one child that that happened to and want to change the entire world for that, 
it is mind blowing. You both are such fierce advocates. What would or what could somebody do if they're a loved one of a missing person and they they want to join your team? How do they uh, get in touch? For family members to reach out out to us, um, we have multiple ways. Um, through our website, we have a contact form. And whenever you fill out the contact form, it asks for a lot of basic information about your missing loved one. And that's good for us to have. It basically has, you know, their name, where they went missing from, all the information that you need. People can directly email us. They can. Uh, we've had people reach out to us through Facebook um, and I think even Twitter a few times, literally through tweets. So there's all sorts of ways that you can reach out to us. And our website, by the way, is lightthewaymissing.com. And you can, like I said before, you can get, get a hold of us through any of our social media. where We are there almost 24-7. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. What other cases have you been working on? Well, we actually work on several cases. Um, Right now, I believe, Shana, did you say it was 18 that we have almost? We have about 18 that we advocate for, but we Mm -hmm. have 12 that we work with the families um, directly. So one of the things that we... Um, in order to directly like investigate or advocate for where we are um, actively bringing cases to media or um, investigating, creating timelines, reaching out to um, different sources, we have to have a family member working with us. That's something that's really important for us. As advocates, we know that that relationship is critical. So We do have cases where we will just make flyers for people. Maybe it's a friend that might reach out to us. um, And that's something that we are totally fine with. We still make sure that they are, there is a missing case, case number and that there is somebody that we are in contact who's involved with the case so that we have, we will do flyers for, but there are um, 12 cases that we are um, currently working with um, a family member. Every case that we do is completely different um, in the ways that we advocate and help families. One case may be we're just um, helping distribute flyers. Um, Another may be where we're actually doing open source investigation or, you know, trying to locate people. One of our other cases, one of our first other cases besides Oakley is the Patty Otto or Patricia Otto case. 
Patricia Otto is missing from Lewiston, Idaho since August 31st of 1976. So she's one of our cold cases. In her case, her husband, um, who is now, who's her late husband, is the main suspect in her person of interest um, in her disappearance. Her daughter, Suzanne, we have been working with her and she, like Jamie Jo, she's just She has a wonderful spirit about her. She's a strong fighter and a great advocate for her mom. So on August 31st of 1976, Patty and her husband um, were in an altercation. Around 11 11 o'clock that night, uh, she had picked up her daughters from their uh, grandparents' house. They were keeping the children at nighttime while Patty was uh, attending school. Um, So the night that she went missing, or the last time that she was seen later that evening after she um, had picked up the girls, the girls recall seeing the altercation between um, their father and their mother. And their father had laid hands on their mom. Um, I believe Suzanne said that she possibly saw her father with her hands around her mom's neck. And that was the last time that she ever saw her mom. Two years after her disappearance, some hunters were out in Elgin, Elgin, Oregon. Thank you, Shana. They had come across some human remains. These remains have been uh, determined to be Finley Creek Jane Jane Doe, which um, Suzanne thoroughly believes is her mother. And the story about that is one evening, Suzanne as an adult, was um, scrolling social media and she came across basically um, the, the facial of uh, Finn the Greek Jane Doe. Um, and she immediately thought, what in the world is this missing person doing on this flight? Like, this is me. Like, after it finally sat in, she realized, hey, I think this is my mom. So right now we're trying to determine whether or not Filling Creek Jingdo is, in fact, Patty Otto. So I know you guys did the show a couple of years ago, and that was kind of right before we came on. So we've kind of been able to have a bunch of stuff that that's new since you've met. So Suzanne is still plowing ahead. She is a force to be reckoned with, that's for sure. What's been really wonderful to us about Oakley's case is that Oakley... Um, she's kind of like, you know, she's, she's our like special, our special girl because she has brought us all of our other cases. So Suzanne happened to be in Oakley's group and she was like, I'm going to reach out to these girls. And she did. And that's how we met Suzanne. So like, it's just the whole Oakley thing is like so special to us because then Suzanne brought us these other like missing mother cases. And then she brought us um, this amazing Finley Creek J- Jane Doe advocate, Mel. And then Mel brought us our Leona case. Like it's just been this like wonderful connection. So that's why we feel like our Oakley thing is so special to us because it really has made our network um, of these cases and these families that we feel are just so part of what we do because they are us. Every day we spend working on this and they are all the most important thing that we do. Suzanne comes to us, she brings us her case and we are like, okay, how can we help? So the first thing she tells us is that she's having this 70th birthday party for her mother because when she was a kid, no one ever talked about her mother. So within the first month that we met her, 
she had this huge 70th birthday party in the middle of little Lewiston, Idaho, where they like marched the streets holding happy birthday signs. It like gives me goosebumps to talk about it. And she brought it to Lewiston, Idaho. They wore patty shirts. Her family from her father's side and the family from her mother's side, which like had never really seen eye to eye, they were both there, which I think was probably a huge healing piece for Suzanne. And she had this like birthday party. She got to talk and speak to the people who were there. The newspapers wrote about it. It was wonderful. And for those cold cases, I mean, that's amazing. So that was our first kind of experience with Suzanne. And we were like, she is amazing. Um, So that was the first thing she did. She has had some national coverage of her mother's case, which was huge for someone who has been missing for 47 years now. She was actually able to connect with the original prosecutor who prosecuted her father, who I don't know if you guys remember, but her father originally went to prison for trying to hire a um, hitman to kill the one of the investigators who was investigating the disappearance of her mother. She was actually able to connect with him and he is now a mayor of a town And she, I'm sure we'll go more into detail about this, but he was actually able to pull some connections to help her um, obtain a camper that's a camper of interest. We've always thought, how would he have moved, how would Ralph have moved her mother's body? When would he have done it? How would he have done it? There are so many questions. Um, So there was a camper. We have some pictures of it, but there was kind of a camper that he had kind of transformer styled, kind of put together. It's like half camper, half truck. It's not like a camper you would buy. He, He kind of mixed, smashed it together. He gave that camper away to a girlfriend. Ralph had lots of girlfriends because he was kind of cheating on Patty. Um, And he gave that camper away right before he went to prison. And the woman who had that camper would never allow anyone to go on that camper, including her family. And so that's always been a camper of interest. That woman's grandson has even made statements that something is in that camper um, to Suzanne. So with the help of this former prosecutor, um, Suzanne was able to possibly get her hands on this camper, but we are trying to figure out how can we get this camper to the police without breaking the chain of custody because the police won't come and get the camper. So we've been working on things like that. Um, She's also been able to connect with um, a place called Face Lab in the UK, and they're going to try and match up the skull with the composite, with a picture of Patty to see if we can kind of mesh all three. Um, Tates and I met a amazing forensic anthropologist that works in Massachusetts. um, And she's taking a peek at the files to see if she can help. She was um, a forensic anthropologist for the Mass State Police and worked on a lot of cases out in Massachusetts. So we are having her look at the files to see if she can help us as looking at things, obviously, that the um, last piece of evidence that we have, the dental x-rays, obviously, are the, the 
key evidence we have. So she is helping us match up, hopefully, with a forensic dentist who will be able to read them correctly because one of the issues is those were never read correctly. The information is NamUs is incorrect. So there are some things that have been going on. Um, Patty just needs to come home. The right, the right Jane Doe needs to be marked. Um, she just needs to rest. That has been a case that we just we just want to have some answers for them. Forty seven years is a long time. That's just one that we are hopeful that there will be answers soon. It just feels like it's like this close. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when we spoke with them, um, I, I I felt like it was very close, and that was a while ago, and that was before you guys jumped yeah. in. So yeah, it's uh, you guys are really pushing this um, pretty far, and I, I think that's it's a, such a great thing for the community and. I urge any family member of, of a missing person to reach out and uh, try to start working with you guys. This is uh, some really valuable things that you do that is, um, I don't know, could be overlooked. I mean, I, I think I think you mentioned with police, a lot of times they don't have the time to do this advocacy that you are doing. So I really think it's uh, extraordinarily important. So thank you. thank you for your work on all this. Thank you. And how do, how do the two of you take care of yourselves? Because you're so immersed in all this. And, you know, Tim and I get it. Like, you have to figure out, like, where you're drawing the line between other people's tragedies and, and the pain that they get from that and how that, you know, shouldn't really become yours for you to properly, you know, move forward with your job. I think we're still really learning that. Um I would take all your tips. <laughs> <laughs> what she said. I honestly think that Shana and I are drive to help people and to, you know, help these families keeps us going. It really does. Like, I can't say how, I don't know. That's just what it is. We're in, like she said, we're still learning to take care of ourselves, <laughs> but um, you have to, make that work-life balance and that does get difficult sometimes but yeah for sure because it's not like a nine-to-five job and i kind of stole a little bit from uh the great esther ludlow who she has a really wonderful show once upon a crime and she had said that it's okay to not have someone else's pain be your pain it's okay like and i think that's a really important if not first step it's among the first steps of making sure you're doing okay is just coming to terms with hey, it's not your pain and it doesn't have to be your pain. Yeah. So that was a, a, a really good piece of advice from Esther Ludlow that I'm happy to pass off to the two of you. Yeah, that's good. Really like that. Thank you. I like that. We, we work with um, the Olympia Police Department, um, the head, the lead detective there who runs the um, missing the missing persons unit. Um, and when I met him for the first time in person, he said the same thing. What, what do you guys do to take care of yourself? And I was like, I'm not sure how to answer that. And he was like, look, my biggest piece of advice is find something now. He was like, the next time I ask you that question, you need to have an answer. And I was like, that's probably like the nicest thing I've heard someone say to us since we started this because I didn't expect that from like a detective. <laughs> that was like the last thing I expected to hear.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.